Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Monday, July 24th in the year 2023. You know, it's interesting. Um, a little earlier tonight, I went over to, it was before the Bards FM show, so earlier this evening, I went over to get the new corral for the ranch, which was um, something I picked up from Mike Jardine, who's a professional uh, calf roper. It lives just down the road. The guy's pretty awesome. And it's it's all about connections. So we're going to talk a lot about that tonight and just how these things have been working lately and the degrees of separation that are just amazing, how we're really very close and the reminder of what that is in uh, taking care of our neighbors. So that's really where we are. Before we begin tonight, MyPillow.com, and you know it, and you know you're going to need to get some more MyPillow stuff because MyPillow is the best place around for pillows and for sheets and for slippers and the whole shebang, and it's the it's the best thing going. Now, you know, here's the deal, and I, I've been thinking about this today because everybody has a MyPillow code these days, but no one has the Bard's MyPillow code. So it's also a fantastic sales for stuff you need in the house. And that includes sheets and towels and obviously pillows. They've got an annual, they've got a big sale going on right now on a anniversary Giza cotton pillow special edition, which is awesome. And they also have the new MyPillow 2.0, which I really highly recommend. Let's hear what Mike Lindell has to say. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from MyPillow, towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. What a concept. I really love the towels. They're really great. They're super absorbent. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know we're having the biggest clearance sale ever. Get our six-piece towel sets for only $29.88 with your promo code. My towel sets are made with proprietary technology and include two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get our six-piece towel sets. Originally $99.98, then on sale for $49. 98. Now we're closing them out for only $29.88 while supplies last. Once they're gone, they're gone, so please order now. Yeah, so check them out. Towels, sheets, pillows, you got it. Everything you need for the household. And thanks to great efforts by Patriots, we are no longer have to deal with Bed Bath & Beyond. We just have my pillow. So anyway, mypillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. You will not be disappointed. So tonight I'm down with uh, the guy that runs... Um, cattle with me here and um that's brody and he's awesome and so we we're picking up this new corral what's well, not new it's new for me it's a great corral that i got from mike just down the road and it's um this corral which was also with a cattle shoot which is a it's really nice and i say that it's a good buy i got on it and it was he had picked it up because it was used for the buffalo up in yellowstone so the thing is fairly heavy duty, you can imagine. And it's a big load on. And we got it on the trailer and brought it up to, we eventually got it up to the property. But in the process, Brody is talking to Mike. 
And Mike and I'm asking Mike about his rodeo work because he just was he's on the circuit still, and he he was up over Fourth of July. He, he placed second, did a good job, or first. I mean, maybe placed first. He's been doing pretty well. He's getting ready to go into the into the national stuff, or I guess it's a regional thing, whatever that is in his association. But um, anyway, Brody says, "Do you know such and such?" And Mike says, "Yeah, I know. As a matter of fact, I was just I've got a video of this of him riding a." A bareback bronc and Brody says well that's my cousin and Mike looks he goes man he goes things just seem to be getting closer and closer these days which is an absolute truth and I think it's really something we need to pay attention to because there's a lot of this going on right now where our connections are getting closer and closer so I'm going to share another one with you today and this was from Duncan now, most of you know that Duncan just moved out to Kentucky and he's, I'm glad he's there. He had quite a little journey um, getting out there. And so uh, he wrote me today, and uh, he says this. He goes, brother, I called Spectrum today for Internet and TV. This is for their new house they just bought. And, and so he says, um, the guy who I talked to asked what I did. He said, I mentioned Kilted Christian told him the show was about informing people of truth and preparation. He asked me if I ever heard of Bards FM. Duncan laughs. He goes, I told him I was Duncan who filled in for Scott when you were on the, when he was on the road trips. He was so, he was, he said, no freaking way. He says, and so he gave Duncan the Patriot bro deal instead of a hundred, whatever it is. He had, he got it down for like 30, 30% off on the whole thing with the maximum internet speed and the whole thing. So Duncan's like, man, what a small world. So this is um, this is what I'm getting at, is that our world is getting increasingly smaller. And I think a lot of the reason that is happening is because God has been sifting. We've been going through this sifting, and we're finding ourselves in this place where we're coming together more and more. There's... Um, a friend of Pastor Anthony's is just up the way for me that I met at Bards Fest, and we had a call yesterday. We've we've talked twice now, but it's re- just really interesting. And and he and I are both saying it's like this is no accident that God linked us and put us together. We common goals, common ways of doing things, um, common ways of looking at things, and in fact, even the direction of where they wanted to go with their property. Similar things to what we're trying to do here. So there's a real drawing that Father's bringing us together, and I think it's really important to recognize that and keep in mind that we have a real responsibility to keep ourselves in that frame set that we are meeting people even though they're strangers, and we have to kind of keep in mind you know, that we are all in one body of Christ. So I want to read Matthew 25, 31 to 46 tonight, which I think has some relative issues here. So it begins, but when the son of man becomes his glory and all the angels with him, when the son of man comes in his glory, excuse me, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another. Just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his rights and put the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, 
You are blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we, then when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for one, the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. That has struck me as such a powerful passage right now. And it's so relevant in a world that is in complete chaos and upheaval. And something I think we have to keep very, very focused on because we are literally crossing paths with people that we're not that separated by. And I think what we discover is we're so much in common. I had an email or a text sent to me through one of our mods today of somebody that this person said, Scott, you just need to get hold of this person. You need to get hold of this person. And I'll be honest, when I get some of these, I'm, I'm a little skeptical because I mean, I'm, I'm usually it leads to wanting to get somebody on the show. And so I took the time to read the whole message, which was something that this person had posted. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to get hold of them. It's quite amazing because they were saying so many things that I've been saying in so much of the same context. We're seeing that a lot lately. And I'm, I'm, we're seeing things like an idea. We have an idea here, and then you stumble on it over here, and somebody's starting the same thing at about the same time. Our, if we have egos, we're going to jump in and go, hey, wait, 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 I started that before you. But that's not what's happening. Because what's happening is God is moving this in many different directions, moving many different people in a common direction, I should say. And a lot of these ideas are percolating up simultaneously. If anything, when you come across that, there should be confirmation that God's on the move and a powerful one at that. And that's really something for us to keep in mind is our responsibility that we have as we walk in the body of Christ. Let me finish out Matthew, this Matthew section, and this is starting at 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, you accused people, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will all answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? or as a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you, then he will answer them. Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me either. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There is such a profound clarity when we walk within the word 
And when we do, life gets pretty simple. But everything we're dealing with right now is about diminishing the importance. Okay? So when we talk about sins, and there's plenty of them, everything that's happening right now is to diminish sin. So if you are going to want to have a desire for children, then we're going to say that it's natural. We're going to call it minor attracted person. We're not going to call it a pedophile. If you are somebody who is has a compulsion to do harm for another, we're going to say that that's okay. You just, we're, we're going to, we're going to let you out of jail and accept that that's just the way you are. I mean, we can go on the list of sins that are just unbelievable, the things that are happening right now. And it's endlessly about changing the dialogue. And at the core of all this information, this communication that we're dealing with right now, and at the core of all of this language change that's going on right now, what we're what the real motive at, at so much of this is to erase sin. In other words, make it so people don't even understand what sin is. On the flip of that, when we walk in the word of Jesus, then we're simply walking boldly as we should. So here, here's the other example of this. As I'm walking into this place and I'm saying some, I'm speaking out against homosexuality or I'm speaking out about pedophilia, what's happening on that level is that we're now being accused of being racist or we're being homophobic or anything like that. That's, again, the attacks that they use intentionally to try to minimize the words that we share. And that's really pretty powerful. I'm going to play a piece here tonight, and it's it's a little crazy. But I this is something that in this understanding of where God is bringing us together, understand what I think this gives you a pretty good glimpse of the world that we're walking in. This is, I'll play part of it. I won't play the whole thing. It's about five minutes. I'll play about half of it. But I want you to listen to this because I would say it like this. If ever I was wondering what a conversation with the devil was like, this is it. And it's titled, Are You Ready for Human-Animal Hybrid? So a recent set of controversies has to do with the funding by the federal government about research that mixes human and animal uh, genetic material, sometimes called chimeras. Uh, but there is actually a broader group of this. And again, the method is to think about a large number of cases. It's helpful to think about very different cases. So uh, to use some real cases, imagine you mixed uh, human uh, brain cells, so human brain stem cells in the embryonic stage, into a mouse, to create a mouse with a humanized brain. Now, it wouldn't be a human brain. That's exactly the same. It's much smaller, for example, but has humanized elements. Another example is imagine you took a gorilla, treated the gorilla exactly as it is, but were able to generate a human-looking face, right? So a gorilla with a human face. How would we think about that entity? Third example, a humanized immune system. Took a mouse. Uh, and we do this, we have these at Harvard, for example, and created an immune system in order to test drugs, think about HIV, for example, that was humanized. So not the brain, but just uh, the immune system was very human-like. And last example is actually uh, valve replacements, heart valve replacements. So Jesse Helms, the senator, had a pig valve replacement years ago, right? So there's a piece of an animal in him. 
right? So these are four examples of different kinds of mixing. And the question is, which are okay, which are not okay, why can we generate some principles? So what might be wrong with mixing uh, human and animal parts? So one thing that might be wrong is that we think it will confuse the boundaries between humans and animals, right? That right now we have a pretty clear distinction. While many people love their dogs and their cats like members of the family, they are able to say, this is not a member of my family, this is not a member uh, that has the same rights as my family member. In a world where we had much more of a continuum between animals and human beings, those distinctions would become difficult. Now, just because they become difficult doesn't mean that that's wrong, right? It would just pose for us a new problem, and maybe it would illustrate a problem we should be thinking about altogether. So I'm not particularly sympathetic to that argument. Different argument, though, is to say human beings are particular kinds of being with particular kinds of capacities, and there's a dignity to being a human being. And if we were to mix uh, enough animal material into a human being, the thing that we would have would not be something new, but would be a human being that could not flourish as a human being, It'd be an undignified human being, a kind of entity uh, that is one that really uh, is unable to really experience what it is to be human. Now again, you might push on this and say, well, yes, that's true, they would not be uh, a human being, and they would not be necessarily have all the capacities of the human being. So think, imagine uh, having some of the capacities of a human being but being stuck in a rat body, for example. Sure, uh, there'd be ways in which you would not flourish as a human being, but why not think of you as flourishing as a new kind of entity, right? Uh, and in particular, you might actually think there might be an obligation to create some kinds of chimeras. So if, uh, for example, we think of uh, Big Bird from Sesame Street, sounds like a silly example, but I think it's a good one, right? Big Bird talks, Big Bird has friends, Big Bird goes to school, been in school a long time on Sesame Street, I guess, but he seems to have a pretty good life, right? Imagine we could take regular birds and turn them into big birds by doing something to them, right? Would we think of that as improving a little bird's life, or would we think about that as hurting a human being's life, right, through this mixture? Hard questions, right? But at least it might be possible that we think that we're doing animals a favor by doing this. And other answers might say it depends a lot on the specifics of the case, right? There are changes we could make to human beings by mixing in animal DNA that might make them uh, better, and there are changes we can make to human beings that might make them worse, and worse from a moral perspective. So for example, uh, if it turned out that there was, uh, to use an example in the literature, we could give human beings night vision so they could see at night like some animals through mixing in a little animal DNA. You might think that would be great, right? We could do more search and rescue, we'd be better drivers, there'd be less fatalities. On the other hand, if the result was to produce uh, human beings that had much stronger aggression or violence or claws or something like that, you might think that's worse because we're going to do more harm. And that would suggest that the answer about whether we ought to have chimeras or not and what kind can only be answered in a particularistic way about thinking about a particular case. I will say, and this is kind of referencing some work by my friend Hank Greeley at Stanford, that there are particular kinds of changes which from a sociological perspective seem to bother us more. Uh, and he describes them as kind of brains, balls, and faces. So brains, turns out we're very disturbed by the idea of human brains or humanized brains in animals. Much more disturbed by the humanized brain mice than we are by the humanized immune system mice, for example. The other is balls. We tend to be very nervous when we think about the idea, and this is kind of crazy and out there. Imagine you could create an animal that had the ability to reproduce its, uh, its gonads, its reproductive system was human. So that you'd have animals 
uh, mating and producing human beings and animals, right? That's the kind of thing that I think disturbs a lot of people as an idea. And the last is faces. The idea of having animals with human faces, for example, I think just disturbs a lot of people. Even though you might say a face is a face. But it's a marker of human beings and the way we relate to each other. And I think there's just a strong sociological pushback against that. Oh, yeah. That's where we are. And I, I wish it was a joke. But this is coming right out of some of the highest legal think tanks out there. And this is, this, his name was Glenn Cohen. He was a professor at Harvard Law School, just so we're clear about that. This is being taught. And this is the world that they're trying to bring about. So we have two things going on here. We have the threshing of God's world, and we're reminded of doing good for one another. And then we literally have the world that Noah was witnessing, which is the world of the chimera. In, in fact, it's either Noah or you can even go to Enoch. And it's happening around us. A lot of what I think is, this again is this perpetual and incessant division. We are unique in the body of Christ, and this current trend right now is to try to destroy our uniqueness. There is a intentional attempt to bring in as many people as they can in, in to this nation and in other nations so that they can eliminate the white race and convert everybody towards a kind of a medium brown is really what their target is. And to do so in such a degree that there will be nothing left but just a monolithic, unified race, that there's nothing else there. One race, confused from one another of even knowing their origins. And it's there then that they can start to go even further, which is, again, to get people hyped up to about, because people will want uniqueness. This to understand that is we know that we're unique. And so by taking away something that's native, spiritually native to us, people will seek it, but they'll be lost. And in being lost, what will be offered is the ability to express yourself in different forms, to hybridize yourself, to hybridize your child, and ultimately to lead to a, a society where it is as common to see a human as it is as common to see a eagle-headed man or a snake-bottomed woman. You, you have to realize that all this comes right out of Egyptian lore, too. And this is how they saw, at least that's what the perceptions that they gave us of many of their gods. This is the direction that the earth is going. And the only thing stopping it is us. So when we go back to where I started with this, which is looking at where God is moving us, I think that this is a very important perspective for us to take a moment and pause and realize how important it is that we follow those words and those guidances that Christ gave us and not to let it be pluralized. These are the outer bounds of the pluralization, but it's happening all around us as we're forced into the acceptance of transgenderism, as we're forced into the concepts of accepting people with pluralized anything. Someone wants to self-identify, change their pronouns. All of this is a preparatory for a direction that they're leading people, which is ultimately transhumanism. But transhumanism, by definition, is a hybrid between technological and biological. But it's not limited there. 
because transhumanism will also embrace the idea of genetic modification and will be creating new species, which we will have, they're trying to get to where we have no moral objection to. So those sounds like crazy world, and we can say this can't be real, and possibly maybe this is too far out. So let me just put a few things in perspective. We are a society now that allows on a daily basis hundreds of abortions to happen, young babies that are ripped from the womb of of women. And as a cultural norm, we don't say much other than we complain on social media, but we do nothing about it. We are a society that uses fetal tissue and fetal cells in food flavorings. And though it's fairly, it's becoming increasingly common knowledge, people are doing nothing about it. We are a society that uses fetal cells in injections. And not only do we not think much about it, we roll up our sleeve and ask for more. We are a society that uses things like foreskin from children that's been cut off into facial creams for women to reduce wrinkles. And not only do we not say anything, the demand increases. So you can start to see the world and we're in. And so when it seems like it's not possible for this to happen, I would argue it's already here. It's just a matter of them getting it into the mainstream eye and starting to see it. If they're talking about it in the Harvard Law School, that means they've already done it in the labs. So be clear about that. This isn't new. In fact, Dr. Kerry Madej has spoken in this last year about the chimeras that are happening in the universities down in Atlanta in the underground labs. This is a very real issue. And we're heading into a time when I think that this is going to be a shocker for many. Now, here, here's the, the real issue that we have to start confronting. Christians should be the most prepared for this because biblically that's in the stories. Christians should be prepared to encounter another species because it's in the garden. Christians should be prepared to handle, to encounter giants and Nephilim and crazy hybrid beings because it's in Scripture. And if it's not directly in the Bible, then it's in the books that are still biblically important, like Enoch and others. The problem is that in the church that we teach today, those things are considered crazy. That's, That's crazy talk. And as a result, the Christians are the least prepared. In fact, I would argue this. If we wake up one of these days and we suddenly discover that there's giants walking around the planet and we've got human-animal chimeras running around, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be either completely scared and freaked out, pleading to God what to do, and there will be others that will renounce their faith. And that's what they know because they're preparing. When you start hearing stuff like this, they're preparing for some form of an ambush. It'll be part of a reveal. And my guess is it'll be the combination between this sort of new think and like a UFO reveal. They're trying to create an environment where we cannot trust one another at all. And we can't be what we've been told to be. We aren't going to be in the capacity to where we're able to, as Christ said, be there when he was in need. So we're not going to be there and provide 
food when he was hungry or someone is hungry. And we're not going to be able to give someone drink when they're thirsty. We're not going to be able to, we're not going to be willing, I should say rather than able, we're not going to be willing to deal with strangers because we're so untrusting of one another. And this gets ultimately back to where I started, which is these degrees of separation in the threshing floor. We're in a very interesting moment. Pay attention to the things that you start, you're crossing your path with and those people that you're, you're crossing your path with that you have common interest in or that there's some sort of connection that's unusual. Pay attention to that. Because I truly believe right now that God is moving people in the places we need to be. He's putting people in communities that we need to be, bringing families together as they need to be. And little by little, we're, we're starting to get things where there's strong there's areas that will have strong kingdom presence in the midst of a world that's going to get increasingly crazy. I do not hold to the idea that things are going to suddenly get better because President Trump is going to get elected or something like that. That's not the way this works. And instead, I think what we're looking at is a continued destruction of humanity by human, by human hands because people are so already confused about who we are as people and what their purpose is here that all they can think about is their time on earth for themselves. So if we can take a child and convince their parents to have them castrated or have a girl have her breast removed with a mastectomy for no particular reason, we're doing surgeries for other anything, for only reason is to supposedly stabilize their mental case. We are removing their ability to reproduce. How far do you think it will be before they convince a parent with proper gene therapy and others that they can convert their child to a dog or to a cat or a human-cat hybrid? How, how, how long do you think that'll be? And that's a rhetorical question, but I think the answer is pretty obvious. We're already halfway there. So I go back to this place of Matthew, of reminding us of our duty and our role and reminding us equally that there are people that Christ will sit on his left and that we will sit on his right. And it's important that we follow these principles of understanding who we are. And this is one of the things in guidance in scripture that's even alluded to the fact that we should stay together with those in faith that we should be building our communities around those that walk in faith and being careful as we go outside. Now, I'm not there too much, but I do think it's wise wisdom, especially in a world that they're trying to convert to so much chaos and craziness. The thing is that you know a lot about a person who's walking with Jesus, and you can have those discussions pretty openly very quickly and get a sense of it. Obviously, Vetting and trust is a center part of the way that we work in humanity, and it's becoming increasingly difficult. But as I was just reflecting on these last weeks and the number of things that have happened to come together and how God is bringing people together, my personal opinion is, is as we are walking truly with him, we are receiving his discernment because we're sharing each of those moments. We've opened our door. We've invited him in. We've asked him to sit down and dine with us. And we're not doing that on a Sunday. We're not doing that in the morning only. We're doing it all day, every day, 24 hours a day. That's going to be the difference. 
how we get through this and how we don't. My opinion, yes, but built on a lot of experience. Right now, we need to be bringing our relationship with Christ into our every breath and step. We need to be sharing this experience with our Father in every opportunity and never shutting the door. If we don't want to hear something, that doesn't mean he doesn't have something to say. And in this place of us walking here right now, we have to be inordinately clear that as God works with us and we work with him, we have to have these dialogues and communications so that we can be clear on what we're seeing and what's happening before us. We have a tendency of times like this of wanting to retract, pull back. And I think to Moses, I'm sorry, to Noah, as he was building that ark over 30 years. And how difficult that had to be as the crazies of the world were all around him. And it was growing crazier. And he held that line. He kept doing his job. He kept pursuing as God wanted him to pursue. He kept on mission in spite of all the challenges that were around him. But he heard God. He understood the voice of God. And so all of this other thing was happening and the world was literally going crazy. We're not in a new era. We're in a repeat of what has been in our history already. That's in scripture. It's how it's coming together takes a little different form, but nonetheless, it's just as crazy as ever. Our duty right now is to get very solid in him so that when we do encounter these crazy things, and there'll be some, and there'll be some big ones, we're not caught flat-footed and we're not caught off guard. This idea, and as I look at the pieces on the board, as they're trying to move to some really big changes, as they're trying to to break this idea that birth is a natural piece that we do in the womb. They want to have birthing done in, in hybrid wombs, which they already have. It's not like they don't have this technology, but they want people to mainstream it. That's part of the outcome of the vax and out of the outcomes of transgenderism is they have sterilized so many people. And that's a benefit for them in this new industry where children will be grown in labs And with one vision, parents with enough money can even have their incubator, their birthing womb inside their home and watch the baby grow on a daily basis. I can't imagine. They can. And you know there's going to be all sorts of crazy stuff that come out of that. They're trying to separate us from everything human. And the thing is, there's a group of people that will. And those group of people will sit on the left of the throne. The real question is, How are you going to make sure you sit on the right? And for me, that answer is always pretty simple. Follow your heart. Give as God gives you, tells you to give. And make sure that we're loving as much as we can within those that we know. But equally, be a lion when it comes to, to evil. We cannot be passive anymore. And that's the biggest problem and why we're here is we become passive, limp-wristed, spineless Christians in this nation and in this world. And Christians are very confused about what that means because we get into endless talk. And I just have had so many people because they're afraid of it. They're afraid of the lion part of it. They're afraid of stepping into the place of saying, well, yeah, yeah, but let's pray. I'm never against prayer. Always believe in praying. Always believe in praying boldly. But we still have to put 
wheels on the ground. We still have to give this traction and feet. And that means the actions that we're doing in our life, which include everything we're doing in our homes to prepare and build up a strong kingdom stronghold in our homes, out to how we interact in our communities to spread truth, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, practice diligently the ideas of healing with prayer, not be afraid, but learn more about casting out demons. Be fearless when you face death and someone says someone died. If you want to pray for them to, to bring back the dead, do so. That's discipline and warfare and greater works. But the greater works are ultimately going to come to us from a loving and forgiving heart. But we have to, when I say that, that doesn't mean that we're over here like <laughs> doing regular hangouts and and trying to build a relationship with a hybrid human cat that has human genitalia. We have to be discerning. And there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible about discerning between this sort of craziness and also the importance among the communities and fellowships that we have of continuing to build the strength and love. Those two things are going to become an increasingly difficult balance in this world. The pedophile culture is coming to the surface. This, this genetic hybrid culture will be coming to the surface. It's already here. And this is going to be an increasingly big challenge for us to deal with of how we balance our values and faith and at the same time hold the line of being lions in a world of the enemy. What you have to be ready for, though, is to be the lion. All of us do. And that's ferocious. Sometimes that ferocity is words because we do have the power of life and death in our words. But see, these tools we haven't learned well, we've gotten sloppy with, and it's important to remember this. So coming full circle back to Matthew, as God, as Jesus talks about us and how we, all the things that we did for one are, are reflective of what we would do for him. Live that way as much as possible. But be accountable as well to all that you do, which would be thoughts, deeds, words. These are important. And that means that we can't be frivolous. So as a final thought on this, and I've said this before, and I think it's a good time to remind it all. And today's shows literally have just been a lot of this on my heart to speak. So this is where this theme has started from today, and it's been moving all day. But we have to be very clear here on something. The enemy is very dedicated to its worship of its God. They are ritualistically, ritualistically driven. They do these rituals all the time, and that's how they invoke power. They do spell casting all the time. That's how they get people to do their will. They use the sacrifice of children, which is to strip away the innocence of the world and capture that power to turn it to evil. When we look on our other side, our response to all of that is simply sitting in a pew to a large degree, listening to a pastor tell us how we're supposed to relate to God, ignoring all this other stuff and praying on a prayer that he leads us in, and that's it. And that type of army will never have a chance on this earth against an enemy that's as intense as we face. We have some ways of winning this war, 
One is how we treat our neighbor. We've had this whole discussion, which we'll continue to talk about, which is the sourdough revolution, to literally break bread with your neighbor. Those are not small things. Those are powerful acts in this fight. The problem we have is we define war with spears and swords and guns. There's places for all of that in biblical history. We see it happen from Jericho to the even when Moses was standing on top of the hill and had to have people hold up his hands, his armies were fighting below. But let's be clear on this. On the front lines of these war, this war on a daily basis, it's not just blind prayer, and that's fine if you do, but we need to be focusing on intention and walking in this world with Jesus with intention. The thing I would challenge you to think about, especially when you pray and when we work, in Scripture, where does it say that all Jesus did was sat and pray? And I, would, I will tell you, it doesn't say it anywhere. The one place that we see that he goes down to the river to pray in the morning and then suddenly is a disturbed, Master, Master, where have you been? And he was trying to find some quiet moments with Father disrupted because they wanted to find him to bring him back to the village so that he could meet the crowd that was waiting for him. And his response was, let's go to the next village and do what we came out to do. And he left those people behind. They had already been given the message. There's so much in what Jesus does is living faith, walking in that space. And we need to. Because as we walk in that space, that powerful command space of faith, our prayer, our walk, our breath, all of these things are coming together to give us that mighty walk of children of the Most High. And as we live that and live that out in our lives, many things change. As just some thoughts before, as we close on this, and little things that I've even mentioned before, but it's important. When you go shopping, do you look at your checkbook or do you look to God? When you go shopping, do you ever ask God to join you? When you're in work, are you leaving God behind or are you asking God to be with you all day long? When you talk to God, are you afraid of what people will say around you and so you don't or do you have an open conversation? And when you get into a group that doesn't know God, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, how do you respond? How do you, how do you carry your faith in a way that you know that it will be unmistakable to them that you're there so that you can leave a lasting impact on them of something that's greater than he? These are things that I work with all the time. I'm just sharing them with you. They're what I call my gut checks. And if I'm, as an example, if I meet somebody and it's, you know, very non-related, very not much not related to Jesus, if I find myself pulling back, then I've, I, I rebuke myself instantly and find a way to push back in. And that's an essential part of this fight. Because in the end of that, what I'm doing is an extension of Matthew 25 that we just read is that I'm feeding them when they're hungry and even though they may not know they're hungry. 
We're offering the, the power of Scripture and faith and our loving Christ and the Holy Spirit to feed them in a way they've never been fed, to give sight to most that are blind, to give drink to those that are need to be quenched, a thirst that needs to be quenched. And if we're doing those things, a lot of what we see in the world will begin to diminish. But at the end of the day, as I will say so many times, we have to do all of this for a singular purpose, which as much as we find ourselves coming closer to one another, there is a greater why that is happening. And I don't think there's any question in my heart as to the why. It's because at the end of this whole thing, of all the lists of things that happen and potential potentialities, there is one point that we have not done that continues to get out of hand, that will continue to lose this fight for us, and that is our taking care of the children. It all comes back to the children. I spoke with my mom earlier tonight, and it was interesting. I've spoken about child sex trafficking for years, and she says, I have a question for you. I said, okay. She said, am I right in understanding that every single thing in this world, every single thing that these leaderships do, every effect that they do to us, all waters down to pedophiles and wanting the kids? And I said, Mom, 100%. And if you can get it, if my mom can get it, so can anyone else. And that's not anything against my mother. But this was not an easy topic for her to get used to. Everything that we do in the end ultimately circles back to the one mission, the one tasking, the one commission that God gave every one of us. Whether we accepted it or not is irrelevant. We all had to accept it when we accepted Christ. To rescue, to heal, and to restore the kids, the children, God's gift to us. Everything centers on that. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed to be here tonight, and thank you for this continued wisdom that you pour upon us. As we reflect truly on the threshing that has been happening and the love that we continue to walk, but the importance of doing the, the acts of kindness, the acts of kindness for those that we, can, that we walk in both, that are walking with Christ and not walking with Christ, to remember that so much of what we are doing is feeding and filling and quenching the thirst of so many that sometimes don't even know what they're hungry from or why they're thirsty. Father, this is a crazy world. It's not getting any less crazy. So tonight we pray for discernment, continued wisdom, and the eyes to walk in such a path that you would want us to. That Jesus, as you speak of what one when when you do one for one, we do the same for you. Our prayer tonight is simply to, for the blessing to guide us in that clarity of everything we need to do. To continue that path forward where we can literally find the inspiration in every moment we must to clothe, to heal, to quench the thirst, to feed, to visit, to talk, to take time to listen to one another. And to remember that this enemy is nothing compared to 
the might of heaven. But at the same time, the enemy has attacked and taken over many. And the only way they're going to find their way free from that bondage is us. To open the door and sow the seeds. Guide us in this time. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Everything about this current era is anti-biblical, anti-people, anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-everything. And each day it just gets worse and worse and worse. So we're soldiers in this battle. If there were bullets flying, you might understand the, the tactics better. But there's that version of bullets flying. It's words. It's actions. We got to tighten up. We got to get out in this fight. And we got to defeat this. And everything we need is in the, in the words of, that God gave us in the Bible. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body Oh
Yeah.